when I did that placement in that classroom and I had the opportunity by that teacher to like lead a lesson, I was hooked. I was like, this is awesome. It was so much fun. I felt like I could bring energy to the subject matter. The kids brought energy to me. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Small Minded Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to go back to what I am lovingly referring to as our first job series. So over the past few episodes, you guys have heard from me talking about my experience as a waitress and as someone who worked in a variety of positions at a manufacturing facility in our small town. But today I'm going to tell you what I learned as a teacher in my small town. So this goes beyond being a first job, but I do think that it's worth touching on and kind of shaping how I got to be where I am today and how no matter how long or how much education we have or how invested we are in the positions, sometimes we have to make a change in our lives. And when you look back and you see the stepping stones of where you've gone, it all comes together at where you are today. And I think that in order to tell the story of the various positions and jobs and careers that I've held in my lifetime, I can't speak to that without acknowledging my experience as a teacher. So today we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about why I was a teacher, where I was a teacher, what did I learn, what were the mistakes that I made, because, you know, I always got to call out how I screwed up. And we're just going to talk about the magic that is teachers and how they really are the best humans among us. So let's get going. Okay, so I admit it. When I was growing up, I did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I thought maybe a teacher. I thought maybe a doctor. I thought maybe a nurse. I thought for a long time that I had just really had no effing idea what I wanted to do. And as I was finishing up my senior year of high school and entering my university years, I went in with an undeclared major because I had no idea. I knew that I had talents. I knew that I had gifts. I knew that I was smart. And I felt like I just had too many choices, you know? And it is a really big responsibility. And if you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a million times, but that is a huge decision to ask an 18-year-old to make for the rest of their lives. And I really think that it's something that, anyway, that's a different tangent. I'm getting on a soapbox. But I just felt like at that moment in my life, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I went into my first year of college with just this idea that I was going to keep an open mind. I was going to take a variety of classes. I was going to use the experiences that I had been given and then see if that directed me somewhere. So fast forward to like the early spring of my freshman year, my first year of college. I had been at the University of Northern Iowa for about eight months at that point. And I still didn't know what I wanted to do. (laughs) So it was getting to the point where I had fulfilled most of my gen eds that I could take up to that point. And in order to 
not waste my money. I needed to figure out what a major was going to be so that I could register for some major classes to fill out my time hours in my sophomore year. So in that early spring, I went to, I can't remember what the department was or where the offices were, but essentially I had to take like a personality assessment. And I answered all of these questions and you weren't supposed to think on it too much. It was just a variety of questions asking you like, do you enjoy this? Do you enjoy that? What would you do in this situation? How would you assess this problem? And it came back at the end of that with a whole bunch of career fields or jobs that my interests or my answers indicated that I would be good at. And in the top was, I believe it was, I think marketing was up there which is what I do today. But honestly, if I'm being 100% brutally truthful, I went to a business marketing like career day. And I was like, if I have to take micro and macroeconomics, I will not survive. And so I was like, because of macro and microeconomics, I did not pursue a business major. And looking back, I probably should have. But anyway, a majority of the top uh, results from that personality test indicated that I would make a good teacher or I would be someone who worked well with kids. And as I processed those results and thought about them, I remembered that in high school, I had done some work as like an exploratory class in an elementary. And I knew that like, I just didn't see myself helping kids tie shoes and put on snow pants and like learn how to count as something that I could do for a long period of time. But then I thought about how I had been like a retreat coordinator and working with middle school students really did suit my personality because they're like little kids. They want to earn your favor. They want to like joke around with you. They don't think they're too cool for the teacher, but they also are like little kids in that they, I don't know, I can't, I just, I think the same goes to high school kids. But all of this to say, I never really thought until I got this career test result that I could go to be a teacher for middle and high school, which sounds so silly. But in my head the whole time I thought teacher, I thought of elementary. And it was after this personality assessment that I was like, yeah, I could be a middle or a high school teacher. And the more I thought about it, the more I really liked it. And I had the opportunity to do just like a test placement in a middle school classroom that was um, English language arts. And I knew that I loved to read. So I thought like, okay, if I was going to be a teacher, I'd probably go into that subject area. And when I did that placement in that classroom and I had the opportunity by that teacher to like lead a lesson, I was hooked. I was like, this is awesome. It was so much fun. I felt like I could bring energy to the subject matter. The kids brought energy to me. We like connected with each other and like they learned something and I learned something in return. And so after that point, in that like spring semester of my freshman year, I was like, yep, this is it. I'm going to be a middle and high school reading language arts teacher. And I went for it. So fast forward a few years, I got my degree. I did my student teaching, loved it. I also at that same time had gotten engaged to my husband. And so we were planning a wedding. And with just the way the things timed out, I didn't like, I was planning for the wedding. And I was like, okay, for this first year out of college, I'm not going to look for a full-time job. I'm going to instead just substitute teach because I knew I could fill my schedule. I knew I could earn a decent living on substitute teaching payments. 
And then I could get some experience and get my foot in the door at some local schools because my husband's a farmer. So it's not like I could just move anywhere to get a teaching job. I was kind of landlocked. So I did just that. I did some substitute teaching jobs, some short-term ones, and then I had the opportunity to get a long-term sub position. So a teacher that I knew was going on maternity leave, and I could lead her classroom for those weeks that she was out after the baby was born. And that gave me great experience, not only in what it's like to lead a classroom in the short term, but to be responsible for making sure the lessons were continuous, making sure we were reaching goals, collaborating with other teachers making sure we were meeting curriculum standards and benchmarks. And actually, just the way the timing went with this maternity leave, I got to see how it was to like end the school year with final assessments. Um, How did we wrap up a classroom? How did we have parent-teacher conferences? And it was a really great experience. And I would recommend to anyone who is going into teaching, I do think that a form of substitute teaching is so beneficial. Because you get to see how different classrooms are run, how different teachers have different methods, they have different managerial styles, and it gives you a lot of experience before you have a classroom of your own. So after I did that for two years, it ended up that I did the substitute teaching thing for one year. I didn't find a job, so I did another year of substitute teaching, and then I got a full-time job in a middle school at a private school in our hometown. And I was teaching reading language arts, math, and social studies, and religion. So it was a lot, and I was already a mother at that point. And so it was a lot of not only leading the classroom during that 8.30 to 3 p.m., but it was also seeing, oh, man, like I got to get to school early so I can get my classroom set up. I got to stay late so I can wrap things up. And then after I got my son to bed, I was doing research. I was creating PowerPoints. I was correcting papers. And it was in that year that I realized, oh, man, I knew that teaching was a lot of work outside the classroom. But dang, teaching is a lifestyle because you really have to, like in those August through May months, like you are living, breathing your classroom, your students and your subject matter. And it worked. We made it work. But then a position opened up at the public school. And so I applied for that and secured that position. And so then I went to the public school, taught reading language arts for two years and public speaking. And then I got pregnant with our third child in four years. And then that's when I decided to be a stay-at-home mom. And then I did some more substitute teaching during that time. So my teaching career is like all over the place. And it was like, I, yeah, I'm not embarrassed to say like I didn't hold a teaching job for very long because it was over the span of seven years that I used my teaching degree. But it was just in a variety of areas, and it gave me the view of a short-term substitute teacher, a long-term substitute teacher, a private school teacher, a high school public teacher. And it gave me a lot of perspectives and a lot of different views of how the education system works and how to successfully and unsuccessfully work with students at a variety of age levels and subject matters. So what I loved about teaching, my favorite parts, were when I didn't necessarily like it wasn't when I was leading the classroom favorite parts were when I was working individually with students or in small groups because that's when you can have especially around like reading language arts you can have those discussions about a book you can see them get excited about an idea I remember this one kid he was in my classroom and we were actually doing a math lesson I don't know why this one sticks out so much 
but we were doing a math lesson because it was like a study hall that he was in my room and he wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it. And then I explained it in a different way. And you could just see the light bulb go off in his head and his eyes got big and he wrote his answer down. And he goes like this. And I was like, yes, you got it. And it was so much fun. And I think that was like the high I was chasing the rest of my teaching career, like that light bulb moment, that seeing it go off, that it makes sense, it understands or the student understands what's going on. And that's what I lived for. And I tried to bring into the classroom as much as possible. And I also liked making the learning and the subject matter accessible and meaningful to the kids where they were. So for example, when we were studying Romeo and Juliet for freshmen, like the Shakespearean format does not appeal to very many 14-year-olds. Like, let's get real. It's hard to read. It's dense. And they just might not like it so much. So what I tried to do was like incorporate things that made sense to them, pulling out metaphors that still were true, like putting it in modern terms and maybe making Romeo part of this gang or maybe making Juliet part of like this business world. We definitely showed like the 1996 Romeo plus Juliet film. And I just tried to make what we were learning in the classroom that maybe seemed dry and stale into something that was exciting and meaningful to the kids' lives. And I found that that made the lessons so much better and so much more relatable for the kids. And I also had a very supportive uh, team in our department and a very supportive principal. And when I had new ideas, for example, like I wanted to have a novel unit that wasn't about these classics, that it was kids picking the books that they wanted to read just for the love of reading and not because we had to know why Harper Lee wrote this way, even though I do love To Kill a Mockingbird. But I wanted to have the kids have some agency in what they were learning and like show them that reading isn't something that you do just for a grade in a classroom. It's something that you do to be a lifelong learner and to just get enjoyment in your everyday life. And so when I could have the agency myself to bring in those changes and to kind of play around with the curriculum, that really made me feel good. And I think that translated to the kids. And again, I was just surrounded by really awesome coworkers. And we just tried to make it fun. And I remember like when we got to the high school setting, we started bringing speakers to the doors of our classrooms and we would just play music during that like transition period as kids were moving from one class to the other. And it was just like we wanted it to seem like a fun, welcoming environment. Now, that's not all to say that I did it perfectly because I totally didn't. There are lots of things that I think back about and I was like, I wish I would. I still to this day and I haven't taught in like years, you guys. But I still think about certain students and I'm like, I wish I would have talked to this kid like this. I wish I would have taken this other step. I wish I would have communicated with this parent differently. I wish, and one of my big things is like, I wish I would have understood what parents were going through at that point. Because at that point I had young kids, but I didn't have like very old kids that I was teaching. And I look back now and I was like, if I had kids that were like adolescents and teens, I probably would have approached the way I taught differently. So there's always things that I feel like I could have done better, but I do think that I excelled in making the classroom materials fun. I think I got kids excited about reading. I hope I did anyway. And it was really an opportunity for me to just show kids that school was a place that could be welcoming, it could be exciting, and the subject matter can be fun. And a big thing, I wanted the kids to 
see ultimately that learning doesn't just happen in a classroom and it doesn't just happen from kindergarten through 12th grade. Learning is something that we can always do and that we are at our best when we are lifelong learners. And what I learned along the way too was that I also needed to be a lifelong learner. I know that as teachers to get certified and to get your licensure, you have to complete a certain number of hours of coursework over a certain number of years in order to get relicensed by the state. But I even found that, and maybe this is just me personally, but there were seasons, and I would imagine other teachers have experienced this too, where I was just feeling so burnt out and uninspired. And I was working so many hours and the piles of papers that I had to get through and grade and like give responses on were just growing and I couldn't keep up. And it was in those moments that I found if I read a piece of personal development or if I read a book by another teacher like that gave some new methods or ways and strategies to teach, that gave me like a little burst of energy and it gave me the energy to push through and see this through and bring new ideas into the classroom. So I even learned that I needed to be a lifelong learner and take risks and try new things. And that would light a fire under me to be an even better teacher. Some other things that I learned are that when you show up to the job, you might not always have all the answers. As a teacher, especially a teacher of middle and high school age students, they were always coming in with questions that they thought were going to be stumpers for me. And truthfully, they probably asked me some questions just to see like what my response would be. And you guys, there was this one. So I was pregnant and there was a ninth grade girl. I'll never forget this. I was leading the classroom and we were having a discussion and all of a sudden I sneezed. And women out in the audience, you know what this can do to you when you're pregnant. And it didn't happen to me at that time. But the girl in the front row raised her hand and she goes, my mom said that when she sneezed when she was pregnant, she would always pee her pants. Just like (laughs) not on subject, like totally just said it point blank. And I could not quit laughing, you guys. It was so funny. I just, those kids were so, I loved middle school and high school kids. Yeah, we just did so many fun things. We would have mock debates and we would have like book talks. And anyway, but what I learned was that like there are going to be a lot of situations where they would ask me questions or they would present something that I didn't have the answer to. And some people would respond to that being like making up an answer or saying that doesn't matter. Like, let's move on. But what I found was that there was a lot of trust that was built in me saying, I don't know. And that's something I still use today. If I don't have the answer for something, I'm not afraid to say I don't know it, but you're damn well sure that I'm going to say, I'm going to find out the answer and I will get back to you. It might not be right away, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to respond. And I think the kids really respected that because it showed them, again, that skill of lifelong learning and how we don't have all the answers and that's okay. But what makes us the people we are is sticking to it and then finding those answers eventually. The other thing that I really learned from this role as a teacher is that the energy and the confidence that I brought into the room really set the tone and it helped to create either a good rhythm for the day or it got us way off track for the day. So like when I came in with excitement about a lesson, even if it was one that I was really not excited, so let's say like the Odyssey, if I had to teach about the Odyssey and it was one of my less favorite parts of the Odyssey. I could go in and I could be like, yeah, you guys, this is dumb, but we got to do it anyway. So here we go. Or I could say, you guys, and I could set the tone and I could like bring in an exciting drawing activity or something meaningful to their lives or play some music and ask them like, what's the feeling you get when you listen to this song? That's the feeling I want you to feel as we're reading today's excerpt. So 
If I brought energy that was high energy, excitement, high vibe, the kids reacted and responded. If I came in with an idea or an energy that this sucked, they could totally read the room. Or if I was frustrated, kids got frustrated. If I was not confident in what I was talking about, you're damn well sure they knew that I was unsure. And so I realized that first impressions make a big deal. If I approach it with a lot of excitement, they will too. If I come into the classroom looking prepared and well-dressed and professional, they're going to treat me a certain way. And I'm going to make sure that like, yeah, just first impressions and all that really made a difference in the way that I came into the classroom. Another thing that teaching taught me was the importance of organizing and scheduling. Now, I'm definitely a type A person in some regards and definitely a type B person in other regards. So when it came to planning my lessons and scheduling out when we're going to hit these benchmarks and curriculum, like objectives, I would do a really good job at the beginning of the year of being super specific and writing out my plans and knowing what I was talking about. And then as I got into like a comfortable role, I would be okay with like pivoting a little bit and changing things up and assessing what the kids needs were in real time and then adjusting my plans as needed. That's something I continuously draw back to in this era of social media marketing because I can have the best laid plans, right? And I could be two months scheduled out and then something huge happens like, I don't know, a global pandemic (laughs) and I could have the best posts scheduled, but they are not going to resonate and they are not going to be very timely if I just let it roll as planned. I need to always be listening to what my needs are of my audience or my classroom and then adjusting my presentation and my teaching as necessary. So as I was leading a classroom, it would be pretty easy to read the room when all of a sudden they were getting bored or when things were getting confusing. You could just tell by the looks on their face and their interaction that something wasn't hitting. So we would need to like get up out of our seats, move around a little bit, change something up. Maybe the way I was teaching it was not the way that was best received by them. So I had to adjust my strategy or the way I was showing them how to answer this or how to extract this theme from the reading. And it made me a better person in seeing the perspectives of other people and understanding that not everybody was coming at it like I was. And it also made me better in knowing that I can have things planned out, but that doesn't mean that's how it's going to go. And I need to be really nimble and I need to be able to pivot quickly in order to make things meaningful and relatable and help my audience really feel what I want them to feel. And so that helped a lot as a teacher in what I'm doing today being able to read the room, being able to pivot to their needs, being able to organize and plan out, but also leaving room for those plans to change if needed, which they ultimately do. (laughs) A big, big lesson that I'll probably end this episode on that I learned from teaching is that you can really, really love something and still know that you need to step away. So When we discovered that we were expecting with our third child in four years, I was really in a rhythm in my classroom and I was teaching the classes that I wanted to teach. And it was my second time through a lot of this curriculum and content. And it was better than the first time that I taught it. And I knew that even in the third year, things would be better. And I knew that I was collaborating well with my co-teachers. I knew that I had a really great principal and I knew that he thought I had a lot of potential. 
and I had opportunity to grow. And I also knew that it would be hard to be able to maintain all of this scheduling and all of this commitment. Because in addition, like I was leading a student group about the newspaper and I was helping with some other things. And I was saying yes to a lot of opportunities because I wanted to make a good impact in the school and in the community. But I also knew that if I was going to have three little kids, my time was going to be crunched a lot. I was not going to be able to bring things home because I was already like taking weeks to get papers returned to kids. And I knew that I would be stretched even thinner. Ultimately, I was going to do them a disservice if I couldn't give them feedback in a timely manner. And I just knew that if I was going to be the mom I wanted to be, or if I wanted to be the teacher that I wanted to be, it was going to be hard to do both of those things well at the same time. Because I just knew I wouldn't be able to give my full self to both of those commitments. And in addition, like not just like pursuing what I was the most passionate about, but also like the financial obligation, right? We all know it's no secret that teachers make a certain amount of dollars. And for me to be able to afford three kids in daycare, that was going to be really hard to make ends meet. And I had to make a choice. And even though I loved teaching, there were a lot of things that were a little bit too much too. And the time commitment was one of them and balancing with my family. And so ultimately I had to decide to walk away. And that was really, really hard, you guys. I hate disappointing people. And I had such a struggle with like, when do I tell my principal? When do I tell my coworkers? When do I tell my students? And eventually it did take too long. And like word kind of got out before I could address it, which is like something that I need to work on. But it was hard for me to have those conversations because I just hated disappointing people. But in the long run, I knew that was the right choice for myself and my family. And even though it was hard, like to clean out my classroom and it was hard to say goodbye to the kids and it was hard to not be able to go back to school in August. I still think that my life, definitely this position that I'm working in right now, I would not be doing that. And so it's okay. Sometimes you got to turn down those things that you think you love. Sometimes you have to step outside of the box and you're like, I've been trained to do this career, but I'm saying no and I'm going another direction. Like that can feel really scary, especially in a small town. And it's still okay. And I know that at any time, if I really wanted to, I could go like take a couple classes and like polish up my teaching license and go back to the classroom if I wanted to. I can always go back to that. But I couldn't always be there for my kids in their formative years. And I couldn't always take the risk on this new venture called social media marketing. But I can, at some point if I choose, go back into teaching if I want. And I do think in a small town, sometimes it's hard too, because we have these ideas of like roles and like what constitutes a real job and what doesn't. And like even a few years into social media marketing and having Molly Knuth Media, people would still say, hey, are you going back to the classroom? Or when my son started school, like, oh, are you going to go back to teaching now? And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm going to pursue this business that I started. And that can be really an audacious goal. And it can seem scary when people are asking you about it. And it can feel like people are judging you and they're talking about what you're doing or why you're stepping away or why you're starting this other thing. And that's all normal and it's all scary and it's all okay. But you can always go back 
if you need to. You can always say no if you need to. You can always pursue something unique if you need to. And you just got to do you, man. So I feel like this episode is kind of rambly, but I hope you could see that there's a lot of things that teaching taught me and how some of those things that I was taught have translated into what I do. Not necessarily, I mean, obviously, if you hear me on this podcast or you catch one of our weekly MKM lives, you can see me teaching and how I'm using those applicable teaching strategies and skills and interpersonal communication. But some of those lesser visible things that I learned from teaching, like how to read the room, like how to organize my calendar, like how to pivot at a moment's notice, all of that are those things that are those softer skills that I still took away from my time in the classroom and I still use daily in my career as a social media marketer. All right, guys, thanks so much for being here on this episode. Next week, I have an amazing guest that fits right into this field of education, and I am so excited to welcome her and have you guys learn from her expertise. So make sure you tune in next week on Spotify or iTunes for another edition of Small Minded. Can't wait to talk to you then. And yeah, go ahead, leave us a review. Send me a DM. I'd love to chat with you and hear your small town stories. Bye-bye, everybody. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollyknuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well-lived being small-minded.